0: Aha! You've come back again. Bless your heart. Welcome along to the Mild-Mannered Army podcast once more. As I record this little preamble, it is one in the morning. And really, I'm old enough to know better than to still be awake at this point. However, editing fever has gripped me. This is the second half of my conversation with Nick Ames on Head Music by Swede. Hopefully you'll enjoy it, and if you do... Maybe you could think about spreading the word, sharing, liking, retweeting, all that other good stuff. And if you don't like it, shh. Used to be. Used to... Then that's followed by a song that I really don't like, which is Asbestos, which I think is just a bit. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it has, lyrically, it has a real feel of Adrian Mole, it is most earnest. <laughs> you know, for, for people, and there are some people who listen to this in, in other countries outside of the UK, so if you don't know, Adrian Mole is this comedic character created by a, a, an English writer by the name of Sue Townsend, who sadly is no longer with us, and yeah. she started off with a book called The Secret Eye of Adrian Mole, He's, Twelve and three quarters or thirteen and three quarters. And it was it was effectively his diary. That's all it was. It was just these diary entries of this teenage boy measuring his penis, painting his bedroom wall black, falling in love with a girl called Pandora. And it followed there was a series of these books that followed him all the way through his life, right up until Sue Townsend herself died. But all through these things he has these aspirations to be a writer and he writes these dreadful, dreadful poems. Go on, read it out. Yeah,
1: you got a lot The future. What future is there for the young? What songs are waiting to be sung? There are no mountains left to climb. (laughs) No poetry without rhyme. No jobs to go to after school. We divide and still they rule. They give us job creation schemes when what we want are hopes and dreams. Adrian Monk, the William Shakespeare of the Neil Armstrong Comprehensive.
0: (laughs) And I'm afraid to say that for all the praise that I've just showered on Brett, the the lyrics to Asbestos, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 very wonderfully put. (laughs) Ah, the Diary of Brett Anderson, aged. 29 and three quarters or however old he was at the time
0: if, yeah. if, you, if you look at it though nick I'm, i don't think i'm a million miles away you know I'm um, coming in let's be friends watching all the schools no watching all the schoolgirls breaking the rules running around and having sex that is straight out of adrian mole that was exactly <laughs> what adrian was doing he was looking at sharon bots he was looking at pandora braithwaite and he couldn't understand why they were all having sex I mean what about this? Listening to Lulu now you know listen to Lulu, Amazulu, come in and let's pretend. I mean ugh. <laughs> seriously. <laughs>
1: I mean, for, this, for me, for me, this one is another one which reminds me of the Happy Mondays, but not in a good way. You know, mm. this is like maybe Osborne found that his experience of dealing with perhaps the most famous drug monkeys in the business came in hand- <laughs> came in handy when trying to get the best out of a sluggish and ill band like Suede seemed to be on this album. You know, he seems to make the most of the lethargy to make this one you know the best he can make out of it it's not classic swayed by any any uh, stretch of the imagination but it's a good example i think of making the best out of what you have and trying something new with it something that fits with the raw materials at your disposal even if that is a band which is like falling apart on different drugs different substances and i mean i'm pretty critical of osborne and uh, yeah it's quite clear and the band's choice to replace ed Buller, i think was a bad one but you know, yeah yeah is- i think that's fair um I think this one's just throw it away.
0: Well, if we're going to throw that one away.
1: Oh, yes. Next.
0: um, (laughs) I'm afraid we're going to have to find, you know, that bit at the end of Fargo where, um, you know, she comes around the corner and finds that the villain shoving the guy into the wood chipper. I I would quite like to take Head Music, the song. So this is the title track from the album comes up next, Head Music. I would like to find a sort of sonic wood chipper. To push this into. I think this is the closest thing that Suede have ever come to the kind of crimes against humanity of park life, wake-up boo, country house. You know, it's it's just awful. It's got a little feel of both electricity and can't get enough, mm. but stripped of all the charm and wit. Yeah. And and it sounds like, and this is a very rare thing to say about anything that Suede have done, it sounds like nobody cared. <laughs>
1: Give me head, give me head, give me head music. It's, yeah, nice one, we get it. It's a one-trick pony and a, <laughs> and a pretty lame one at like that. It's a glue factory for this song. Next.
0: Yeah, next. Uh,
1: well, Shotgun. Yeah.
0: what about Elephant Man then?
1: You ready for tea? Please go in, John. Make yourself comfortable. Ah, come on, meet our guest. Mr Merrick, I'd like you to meet my wife, Anne? Anne? This is John Merrick. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Merrick. Uh, i very <laughs> Mr. I just, I, 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 used to be reading we so well by a beautiful woman. I like the glam stomp of it, but that's as positive as I can be. I think it's as leaden as the titular pachyderm-human hybrid. (laughs) And and the lyrics are shit too. We'll be be all over your town like a rash. We'll steal your children and smoke all your hash. Come on. I mean, it's a Neil Codling song, right? And no offence to Neil, but it's a typical example of what happens when you need a tune and the principal songwriting team can't be asked or one of the guys just says, I have a song, and everyone else says, all oh, right, that'll do. It's, you know, <laughs> it's lazy and derivative and just, no, 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 no.
0: I, you know, you, I, I quite like it. I quite like it. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't. You don't. No, you don't. Not now. <laughs>
1: Not <laughs> liking it. It's it's rubbish. No, no. Can't. Tell me, tell me why you like it. Uh, well,
0: I, I like it because it's kind of it's cocky, cocksure, and I'm fairly sure cocaine-driven. Um, you know, I I think Brett is probably managing the drugs here. Uh, you know, the the awful effects of crack cocaine. He is offsetting by taking just normal cocaine and it, it kind of is full of this bombast um, and w- w- what I said in, in my piece was exactly that it's the sort of song that often leads to something utterly dreadful or utterly brilliant and I think our different reactions to it prove exactly that um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so
0: yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just leave it at that this crazy cat loves it the crazy cat in Belgium, not so keen. Uh, <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, then Nick, mm. we're on to hi-fi.
1: Hi-fi. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hold
0: on, hold on. Before, before I say that, yeah, it's it's worth pointing out that 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 hi-fi musically, I think, has a slight taste of a tinge of. Um, the Electro Clash thing that was beginning to break through at that point. And one yeah. of the bands that I referenced on, on on the site was The Faint. So they the, the Faint had brought out this album called Blank Wave Arcade, which was a kind of, yeah, a kind of Electro Clash album, I guess. A very early kind of Electro Clash. And interestingly, also released in 1999. Mm. Kind of sleazy, heavy on the synths. And I, I felt like there's something in hi-fi that, that sounds a little bit like that um, you know it was looking backwards for sure but they also had another eye on where they could be heading musically I kind of what I described as a sonic amblyopia where, you know when you've got a lazy eye one's looking one way and one's looking the other <laughs> but I like that. But they, they, they didn't do that um, obviously they didn't go down that kind of path but hi-fi hinted that they could So for that reason, it's a song I really like because I'm a big fan of electro clash and particularly of The Faint. Um, But I also don't like it because they didn't kind of lose themselves to it completely.
1: Mm, Yeah. I'm not sure about this one either. And um, I mean either because I really wasn't sure about Elephant Man. On the one hand, yeah, I like that sleaziness of it. It's got that kind of creepy pace, electronic voice. It's got a bit of a malevolent swagger to it. The sampled horns. I like that. Uh, On the other hand, it's a bit of a nothing song. It doesn't go anywhere, and the the melody of which there's not that much is a bit repetitive. And I get the feeling that the lyrics are there just to give Brett's voice something to do. So I I think they could have made a lot more of it, and it was an interesting idea. And uh, I think they just didn't... Yeah, like you said, I just didn't think they went full in. And if they had done, that would have been a very brave move and, you know, could have pulled it off. And then... (sighs) Even more frustratingly
0: is that the next song mm. gives a real signpost of where they were going to go next, which, of course, was A, a New Morning, which is another kind of flawed album with moments that I really like. But mm. that kind of folk and roll of A New Morning is all over Indian Strings. That's the next song, Indian Strings. Yeah. And it's, this is, alongside Savoir Faire, one of my least favourite suede songs of all. The lyrics barely meet the word count for a haiku. And it sounds like somebody's just kind of gone around the studio and picked up musical leftovers and stuck them together with double-sided sticky tape and said, oh, we'll chuck that on the album.
1: Yeah, um, I, I can't really add too much positivity to that. I just, I, again, I'm going to blame the production. It's too messy and loud. And uh, in the breaks, I mean, I think to be positive, to try and find some positivity in it, positivity in it I think Brett sounds crisp and committed. I mean, that's as, as far as I can go, rather than, you know, he sounds a bit lost in some of the others. I think if... If the producer had reined in the kind of crashing mush, which spoils the whole track, I think this could have been something a bit better. For some reason, it reminds me a bit of at the start at least a depeche mode song there's some gloomy kind of dance beats with like a martin gore-esque kind of Mm. acoustic guitar line but it's nowhere near that level of quality for sure but i think you know maybe if they'd have just done something with an acoustic guitar and some you know subtle shuffling percussion behind brett's voice maybe it would have worked but i know osborne goes for the epic and he messes it all up and that's a shame really but yeah, it's, it's really not good. But Salvation lurks just around the corner because then we get He's Gone.
0: And I love He's Gone. I think Brett, again, sounds really good here. I think that the music that accompanies it is, is lovely. You know, there's kind of guitars soaring in the background. There's strings. There's noises off stage as well. And just a really lovely lyric as well like the leaves on the trees like the carpenter song like the planes and the trains and the lives that were young he's gone and it feels like the words to a song I think that's I think that's magnificent um it's, it's one of my it's one of my favorite um, moments on this album certainly and I genuinely think it could probably sit on any suede album before it or after it Into the, star. Into
1: the star. Yeah, I don't agree. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I think it's yeah, I, I think it starts like Berlin era bowie and ends up sounding like November Rain by Guns N' Roses. You <laughs> well, can, just, I can just imagine Richard Oaks in a top hat standing on some windswept cliff top with his shirt off, jerking out a ten minute solo it's slash oaks. Nah, I don't know. But you you're saying that like that's a bad thing. Oh yeah, actually that's true. I mean, November, November for what it is, November rain is epic and ridiculously glorious, but it's yeah, it shouldn't be where where suede are going or have gone. I mean, I I, I always enjoy this part of our discussion when we have different uh, opinions because you always point me in directions where or, or point out things which I never have noticed, and that's the whole point of it. And uh, so I have to go back and listen to some of the ones which you say are good, which I've slated because you've made good points and you've obviously listened harder than me. I've just leapt immediately to the Axl Rose analogy and um, (laughs) have missed the beautiful lyrics because all I can see is Richard Oakes wanking off some massive solo on the white cliffs of Dover. And so maybe I should just give He's Gone another chance. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 never, never apologise. Never apologise. Yeah,
0: I, I know you're not. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I. Well, I don't. There's a bit of me that wants to pause this and, and go and listen to it now, but I'll. I'll 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 save that. I'll, I'll, mm. yeah. The good thing is, well, for people who don't know how this little setup that we have works, Nick. What happens is, is that Nick and I talk on Skype because obviously, as we mentioned already, he's in another country, and then I kind of go through our conversation and pull out all the ums and ahs and then I also take out all the moments when Nick disagrees with me. Uh, <laughs> so... I wonder why I sound so
1: agreeable. And... <laughs> Did I really like that song? I'm not
0: sure. Anyway. Right. So now the the album finishes then. We we come to the final track on the album, which is a crack in the Union Jack. And this is an interesting one, right? I'm Um, going to try not to be too political here. My politics are my politics. I try to keep them very much out of this public persona that I have. But there is something eerily prophetic, is what I wrote, about crack in the Union Jack. Um, You know, this kind of... This United Kingdom with voices being raised on all sides, nobody's really listening. And in part, that's because nobody's really saying anything. And I mean, I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but, you know, there is a positive... Uh, relationship that one can have with national pride. And particularly here in Britain, there's a strained relationship with the the Union Jack for all sorts of... Sorry, the Union flag, I should say, for all sorts of reasons. But, you know, it, it has some positive connotations. You know, Jerry Halliwell in a Union flag dress and no Gallagher, working-class hero, you know, with his Union flag guitar and all that kind of stuff. And that all seems to be... In danger of being lost just now, and I think a crack in the Union Jack kind of has something to say about that in a very odd way.
1: I'm kind of quite aware about my uh, my voice, how it's distinctive,
0: but I kind of think when it's your own voice, you just think it's normal, really. It's uh, and some people say, oh, you've, you know, it's, it always surprises me when you, you know people sort of, I hear criticisms of my voice, you know, from people which you do sometimes, you know, I can't stand that bloke's voice or whatever, and it's like yeah i can see it's kind of edgy or whatever but i don't think it's i suppose it's some can be sometimes annoying i've been guilty of being annoying in some of the songs but i think you've got you can't make an omelet without breaking any eggs sometimes you know what i mean you've got to sometimes polarize your audience otherwise you just end up sounding like some boy band nonsense you know what i mean you can't you know if you've got some bland voice
1: draw the plans, and watch the show I it on the radio, saw on the news today. Heard the people say, "There's a great big crowd in the Union I mean, I, I suppose in a way, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. It, it kind of Came at the time when people were starting to feel a little bit betrayed by the end of the dream. When you had um, you had the landslide Labour victory in yeah. the midst of Britpop, and then kind of reality kind of set in when everyone was kind of coming down from the euphoria of those times, and things started to become a little bit more. Yeah, the the reality kicked in, and um, I was listening to a. Uh, I think it was the was it real stories Noel Gallagher did recently yeah and looking back over clips of his old self and oasis from the time and talking about it and um he was he was talking about those Britpop years and he said you know for for that time or for a couple of years the world seemed like a really great place you know and it was positive and there wasn't a lot of really bad stuff going on and, and these days it seems like everything is bad or negative and um after those kind of heady days started to come to an end and people kind of looked around and thought okay meet the new boss same as the old boss in a way i suppose this song cracking the union jack is a, is a reaction to that in a way but it also is very um very poignant in today's society and situation and um, you know I I like this song very much and I think they should have used this kind of approach more on the songs with this just you know equivocal over stripped back guitar I I like it yeah it's
0: it's a nice uh, song to to finish the album on um, Mm. I think so well I guess we've confirmed now what we said at the beginning which was that is head music any good yes and no um, there, are, there are some really wonderful high points. I've been taking notes as we've been going through it. Electricity, Can't Get Enough, Everything Will Flow. She's in Fashion, Cracking the Union Jack. We've been uh, unanimous on those. And then we've both had other songs where we've said, yeah, you know, we I like that, you don't. But overall, I think it's fair to say that it's a bit messy, right? It's a bit flawed. Yeah. You've talked quite a lot about the production that Osborne brought, and I agree with you, Nick. I think that ditching Ed Buller is one thing, but replacing them with Osborne seems like an odd choice, and certainly sounds like a choice that just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and I think with a different producer, with a different approach, with a slightly tighter approach to things, even with the problems that were going on in the background, Head Music could have been a, a better album than it ended up being.
1: Yeah. No, I think so, too. I think it's a really, I mean, in hindsight, I think it's a really, it's an interesting album, because one of the things I like about the fact that you get a bit of time from release to now, you know, when you you kind of grow up and you you listen to other things, and then you go back to those songs from, uh, or those albums from different parts and periods of your life listen again and you have a lot more kind of experience and discernment and things like that. And uh, there's also a lot more written about them between release and say 10 years, 20 years later or however long. And uh, so it gives you an idea. It gives you a little bit more background and knowledge about it. And uh, for me, that's, that's a really enjoyable part of going back to these albums from a few years back because they then stand out as kind of interesting artifacts. You, can't, you can say that, okay, musically it's neither good nor bad, or it's both good and bad, but it's like taken in the con- context of like the band's history. You get a story about, you know, they're coming to the end of a Britpop cycle. They're experimenting with drugs, which are pulling the band apart. They're going to have to rebuild. They're going to have to find a new sound. They do that. Does it work out? Not really. But then it goes on. They keep going. They survive. They do other things. And it's as part of the big suede story. It's one of the it's a a very interesting chapter to me. I mean, musically, yeah, we've talked about it, but I think, you know, it's like listening to, I don't know, be here now. has all the stories which go along with it or I don't know, going into think tank for example with Bert, yeah you know coming to the end of you know, Coxon and alban's relationship there just these stories which kind of give a band's history some you know it's a little hiccup and that's interesting for me yeah that's
0: a really interesting way of putting in there. Like, yeah the head music is a bit of a hiccup isn't it it's yeah. Yeah, they're beginning to stumble a little bit. And I think it's probably the first time that they have stumbled. Yeah. You know, the, the the debut album is this incredible calling card. Dogman Star is one of the greatest, you know, pop records in the British canon. Coming up is a magnificent pop record. Great, great pop record. I, I, I'm really looking forward to going back and discussing that with you, actually. And then... You have these two kind of stumbles and missteps. Head music is flawed, A New Morning doesn't quite work, even the band don't particularly like it. And then you would have thought that would have been it, it would have been all over, right? But the great thing about the Suede story is that it's not over. It's not over. They come back, they come back with this trilogy of really great, confident albums. They come back with an incredible piece of writing from Brett. And now Matt Osman has a a book that is uh, imminent as well. They are one of the great British bands for me. Um, yeah, they 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 sit at the top table as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that they um, they're still going and they're still worthy of being listened to is another thing. You know, I think uh, what we said about some of the tracks on this album so that they um, they were trying to do something different, but they sounded like suede. And I think it would be fair to say in later albums they hit on the right recipe for that. Sounding like Suede but sounding differently because no one wants to hear well, I don't know, maybe they do, <laughs> Dogman Star parts three, four, and five, you know? And that's all that's all part of um a point in time. You know, you get 50-year-old men talking about, I don't know, physical and sexual abuse in counselor states. When they're multi millionaires or whatever, it's, you know, that's kind of weird. That's not your life. You should, you're writing about something different. And they, they've right. done that. They've done that and, um, and they're making great music again. And it's good to have them back when they come back. And it's great that Brett is happy and healthy and writing and being about and everything's good. It could have been so much the other way on this this um, evidence here
0: so yeah well i think um to draw things to a close then nick i think the one thing that's come out of this conversation is that we both agree he's gone deserves its place at the top table of suede <laughs> and <laughs> all right okay fair enough
1: well uh, I, do. I just need to re-listen <laughs> it might do i might change my opinion maybe i'll have to like record my own little bit and put it into the the mix but well that will be interesting right if we both go away
0: now and have a listen to it and see if either one of us changes our minds that would be uh, quite interesting right well thank you for joining me yet again nick i'm very grateful
1: it's always a pleasure until the next time
0: until the next time